0: today we return to our series on the words that define our salvation. We are looking at the word uh, predestination. Predestination. We are told in Ephesians chapter 1 that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that's election, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Continue on this one sentence, this one statement, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the pleasure of his good will. Now remember, election is something, a choice that God has made before the foundation of the world predestination i gave you last week the uh the meaning of that word it is a greek word a compound word pro horizon pro meaning before horizon uh, again if in our english language we have added one letter one consonant the letter n and we have the word horizon the horizon is as far as you can see it is where the the sky touches the land it is where the sky uh touches the water uh, and so, before the foundation of the world, God set a destination. Again, not for a lost man, but for a saved person, a saved individual, man or woman. Uh, the predestination has nothing to do with an unbeliever. It has only to do, and everything to do, with someone who is already born again. And so, uh, the this when when you get saved, God has determined a destiny for you. The sovereign act of God, whereby he has set a goal, a destination for the believer. Election takes us back before the foundation of the world. Predestination determines our destiny. They're not the same, but they are related and they are essential one to the other. So, uh, now, where are we predestinated to? We are predestinated, we are told, to our adoption. Now look, Let me let me just today uh, remind you that uh, they they are different, but they are uh, uh, but they are related again. God has chosen us. Election is is the sovereign act of God whereby He can select, elect, choose, pick out any part of His creation person place or thing with a definite purpose and view predestination determines that goal the execution of that goal pre before the foundation of the world god set a destiny he is going to execute it whatever he has chosen to do he will do and bring to pass all that he has ever uh, elected to do god is going to finalize the choice that he made in verse 4 that's what he's going to finalize in verse 5 we have been selected to adoption now Biblical adoption is is different than adoption as we know it in our country's courts and laws, all right? So you have to understand what adoption was in the time that the Bible was written, what it meant in that day, because our culture is different. You know, I have a very close friend of mine that he and his wife were married for several years and were not able to have any children, and then... Uh, the opportunity presented itself, and they were able to adopt, uh, adopt a baby, and, and that they did. Uh, but once they adopted that baby, and I don't remember the exact timing, it's been many years ago. About their children are adults now, uh, but they uh, not long, sometime uh, in that right after the uh, adoption, uh, they found out they were expecting and were able to have a, a, a child of their own biologically. They adopted a baby and had a biological child. In fact, then within a short time after that, not long after that, um, the mother of the first child had another child, which they also adopted and had another child. And and, uh, I believe they have uh, five or several children. They had several more children, two adopted and two biological, and within the same period of uh, right about the same period of time with both cases. And then also having uh, other children to follow after that. And now, these two children. I ask you something: Do they stand identically before their parents? Now, now, stay with me. I did not ask you if they were both loved. Both were loved with the same love. I, I know this family personally, and they love those adopted children, every much as everybody as much as they love their own children, biological children. You, you know, the wonderful thing about having children is that God gives you love. You know, when you have your first baby, let's just take the adoption out of the equation for a second here. When you have that first baby, you, you think, I, I can't love it. I can never love another child as much as I love this child. And then God blesses you with another child, and you find out that the wonder, one of the wonderful things about the love of God is that God always has more love to give. And you get another set of love for that child, and you're not taking anything away from the first, and, and the second is not deficient because of the first, and the second doesn't get uh, any more. God just gives you love for each child. And, and so here, uh, they had uh, several children, two adopted and two biological, and, and, but they, but they have different parents. The adopted children have different parents. There is something that the adopted child does not have. He does not, he or she does not have the same inherited nature as the biological child. Biologically, there are two mothers and two fathers involved. They're not the same. They can be equal in value. They can be equal in love. They can be equal as heirs, but they do not have the same parents. They do not have the same DNA. They're not the same. The point I'm making is this biblical adoption is different than legal adoption that we're familiar with. The Bible word adoption is a Greek word that means sonship. No one uses this word anywhere in the New Testament except the Apostle Paul. No other New Testament writer has ever used it. It was a word that was unfamiliar to the Jew. It was a Roman word. Now, Paul was a Roman citizen, fluent in the Roman language, in Roman law and culture. This word is found five times in the New Testament. It's found three times in the book of Romans, once in the book of Galatians and in our text in Ephesians chapter 4 now this adoption is unique now let me explain to you Roman and biblical adoption as it is uh, understood in the Bible in Galatians chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 now I say that the heir as long as he is a child differeth nothing from a servant though he be lord of all So here's a son that is seen as a servant. He's an heir, but not yet. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father Even so, when we were children, we were were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and of a son, than an heir of God, through Christ. Now, we are... We are been born into the family of God, but we have not yet been adopted. There's a difference between born again and adoption. That is the destiny, the end goal. We're already, we come into the family of God, not by adoption, but by a spiritual birth. Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The child is an heir, but the position is the same as a servant. That's what our obligation here is in this life. He's born into the family. He is Lord of all, small l, biologically, but he is under the authority and instruction of tutors and governors until the time appointed by his father when he will be adopted as a legal heir. He is the master of the inheritance, but he does not possess it yet, just like we are joint heirs of Christ, but we don't possess that yet. There is a time appointed by the father um, that uh, at 18 years of age in our country, you're recognized as a legal heir and an adult in our country. Uh, but in the Roman law, that would be appointed by the father whenever he deemed best. He would be brought before the Roman uh, courts and publicly. His own biological son would be legally adopted, and then he, and only then, he would become the heir of all things. If the father never adopted him, he never inherited. He can pass on to a another servant. He's the so uh, this is this is what we're talking about here even so we in the same manner for the child of God we are children of God in this world we were under bondage in the elements of the world now we are God's children born again by the blood of Jesus Christ sonship will bring us into the full rights and privilege of the inheritance but we don't have that yet that's in the future now, we're going to look tomorrow in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 8, and see more about this. My, my time is gone, but we, we are, on adoption is something that we are born again. I am a child of God, and, and I am heir of all things, but I am not, but that, I haven't realized that, I haven't reached that destination yet. I don't possess all those things yet. That will come at a future time. We're going to look at that tomorrow. I hope you'll join me on the broadcast then. May the Lord bless you until our time again. In of poverty You've been enjoying the program From the poorhouse to the palace Find Pastor Castle's Bible commentaries And other resources when you visit the website bbclinton.com Archived broadcasts of this radio program Are available at wytjradio.com Listen to the latest broadcast Wherever you are or catch up on what you missed whenever you want by subscribing to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Just search From the Poorhouse House to the Palace. From a